Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. They're going to extend the ceasefire in Israel. And I'm going to take you to Ireland, where riots have broken out. Riots have broken out in Ireland because of a stabbing that took place. Three young children were stabbed. Now, Ireland is having a a, a moment. And Ireland is having a moment because the Prime Minister, Leo Varadkar, is he Prime Minister? Is that the, is that the official term? I believe it is. I, I believe that it is. I could, I could be wrong about the, the official terminology. Let's just call him a politician. In Ireland, he made comment about Emily Hand. Emily Hand uh, is a girl who was taken hostage by Hamas. Irish and Israeli. Thank you. I thought he was prime minister. I just wanted to double check. Thank you there, producer Jason. She's Irish, she's Israeli, she was taken captive, she was kidnapped by Hamas when they murdered 1,200 people. The number has been revised, go through some data, it's 1,200. And that has people saying, see, the Israeli military lies. They said 1,400 people were murdered by Hamas, but Hamas only killed 1,200. You see, not so bad. Psychopaths. Really, so just the, the level of, of ugliness that one is forced to witness from these people. And here's an example of this. He put out on social media, this is a day of enormous joy and relief for Emily Hand and her family because Emily is one of the hostages that was freed in this ceasefire, quote unquote, uh, that's going on. You've got 140, 150 Palestinians, quote unquote, again, quote unquote. Um, being freed. These are people who've been involved in stabbings, involved in terrorism. One of the women uh, that was freed immediately got back to Gaza and started screaming for the, uh, you know, spilling of more Israeli blood. These people aren't interested in peace. They're interested in destruction. You know it as well as I do. The only people who don't know it are members of the squad. Ilhan Omar, Rashida Tlaib, Andre Carson, Ocasio-Cortez, Ayanna Presley, Jamal Bowman. Well, you know what? They know it. They just don't care. They're fine with dead Israelis. They're down with it. They don't want Israel to exist. It's obvious. We can move on from that. But the prime minister uh, writes, this is a day of enormous joy and relief for Emily Hand and her family being returned after being kidnapped. An innocent child who was lost has now been found and returned, and our country breathes a massive sigh of relief. Our prayers have been answered. She wasn't lost. She was never lost. There was never a moment where um, this child was lost. This child was kidnapped, kidnapped, taken, abducted by terrorists. Why in the bloody world would you say that this child was lost? So you've got this stabbing that has taken place. 
in Ireland. And then you have basically uh, violent scenes that have that have erupted since. That's the way the the media would would play it. The response to this has uh, been um, pretty vicious. Conor McGregor responding to the prime minister. We're talking about the mixed martial artist. We're talking about the UFC champion saying she was abducted by an evil terrorist organization. What is with you and your government and your paid-for media affiliates constantly downplaying, attempting to repress horrific acts that happen to children? You are a disgrace. The day after a stabbing of children in Ireland, not one paper had it on their front cover. We will not forget. Well, it sounds a lot like things that happen here in the U.S. Conor McGregor speaking out. Conor McGregor noticing the twisted nature by which these Hamas supporters, and they are Hamas supporters, because if they weren't, they would speak freely. It's very obvious. Go about engaging these conversations. Emily Hands was never lost. She was kidnapped. Now we are learning that Conor McGregor the mixed martial artist is being investigated by the national police for, quote, online hate speech. And that, kids, is our story. Because to understand this, you have to understand where Ireland is. This is a senator of theirs from their Green Party. Now, to the extent that I'm an expert on Irish politics, uh, I, I am not an expert on Irish politics, but I do know a really bad idea when I hear it. This goes back to, I believe, July or June of 2022. When you think about it, all law, all legislation is about the restriction of freedom. That's exactly what we're doing here, is we are restricting freedom, but we're doing it for the common good. You will see throughout our constitution, yes, you have rights, but they are restricted for the common good. Everything needs to be balanced. And if your views on other people's identities go to make their lives unsafe, insecure, and cause them such deep discomfort that they cannot live in peace, then I believe that it is our job as legislators to restrict those freedoms for the common good. Now, take a breath because part of this is the conversation of liberty over freedom. And the reason I come to this place is to make sure that we at least have that basic grounding, foundational uh, uh, conversation. In the Liberty Society, you do indeed give up some freedom. That is absolutely true. Because what you get out of that, the giving up the most minimal amounts, is to creating the better, safer society. I am a fan of the Liberty Society. That is not to say I oppose freedom. It's that the Freedom Society gives you something different. There are less standards. There are less rules. And with that, more chaos. This is a worthy argument and a worthy conversation. Remember, we do not live in the United States in a democracy. We live in a what? A republic, as Benjamin Franklin was told, uh, told people, a republic if you can keep it. 
The Republic, the Liberty Society, I believe creates much more value. So to the idea, to the concept that one may give up this to get that, we focus on the idea of giving up the very, very least because the people who are willing to give up uh, their, their freedom for the guise of safety will never have safety and they certainly will never get the freedom again. So one must be very deliberate and very focused when engaging rules, regulations, legislation, etc., to ensure the maximum amount of freedom within the society. We're talking about how you make things work, Kitten, and this stuff is rough. Because they had a stabbing in Ireland that led to riots in Ireland, and then you have a prime minister talking about an Irish-Israeli citizen who was returned from the kidnappers Hamas, and he claims that she was lost, and now she's found. She was never lost. And then you have Conor McGregor, the MMA star, former UFC champion, saying, what the hell is wrong with you? Why is it that the Irish press can't talk about good and evil? We're going to get into that conversation coming up. And now you've got Conor McGregor being um, looked at by the national police, investigated for online hate speech. Now, there's no such thing as hate speech. There is speech that you hate, and oh, there's much of that, and there's hateful people. Oh, that's very true. But hate speech is not a thing. In a free society, in the liberty society, you can say what it is you will. You may have to deal with the consequences of that. But there's a difference between saying something that someone finds disgusting and saying something that that could be seen as as an act of violence. So, for example, if someone were to say, let's go get so-and-so, let's go hurt so-and-so, that would be speech that we would say needs to be restricted. If someone says, I think so-and-so is terrible, that is not speech that uh, should be restricted. If I say, I don't use pronouns, and I will call a he a he no matter what he thinks, well, you cannot like it. You can take it downright rude. It's not hate speech. Which brings us back to this senator who believes in Ireland they should curtail... um, speech based on these rules go to make their lives unsafe insecure and cause them such deep discomfort that they cannot live in peace cause them such great discomfort you heard that producer jason right absolutely cause them such great discomfort that they cannot live in peace that is not a liberty conversation That is a radically violent conversation, and Senator, whatever her damn name is, can go to hell in a handbasket. Now, I want to make sure I explain it properly. She is a terrible, disgusting, despicable lowlife, is Senator O'Reilly from Ireland's Green Party. Worthless in every single way. No one should ever attend her speeches. If she ever writes a book, no one should ever buy it. Dear Lord, I pity the man who would actually marry such a woman. What a disgrace of a human being. Now, you can find everything I said to be rude. But of course I should be allowed to say it. What does it matter if it causes her discomfort? 
What does that matter? Isn't it H.L. Mencken? My job is to comfort the afflicted and afflict the comforted. What does it matter if you're upset by it? Do you know how many things in an average day I'm upset by? Well, really not that much. I just kind of let it roll off me. But when I have elected officials saying that free speech shouldn't be allowed because somebody else might get the sads, I find myself pretty upset by it. Should you be allowed to say it, therefore? Well, of course you should. Because everybody has to grow the hell up, starting with Senator O'Reilly here, who needs to grow the hell up. By the way, I said this was June of 2022. This was June of 2023. The bill in question is Bill 2022. I apologize. So this was just a few months ago. I don't care if somebody gets the sads from what I say. They don't have to listen to what I say at all. But they don't get to stop me from saying it. You filthy, disgusting lowlife. My God, what excrement. Well, what else would you say about someone who doesn't think that people should be allowed to speak freely? Why would you ever have anything but absolute disdain for such folk? And what do you say to Ireland that now wants to tell Conor McGregor, you're the problem? Because it seems to rational people uh, that Conor McGregor is the guy who stood up to the elected leadership and said, what's wrong with you? What is wrong with you? That's a good thing. Now, we see this, um, and certainly when you talk about the stabbing of children, you want to know what happened, why it happened, you want investigations, you want to know who's going to go to jail, uh, all of it. I mean, you had then uh, from that uh, had anti-immigrant protesters setting fire to vehicles and looting stores. Yeah, there's a, well, I don't approve of it in any way. It must be understood that the immigration conversation around the globe has failed miserably. And this is why in the Netherlands, uh, they elected Geert Wilders. They'll tell you that he's far right and dangerous. Uh, this is a guy who's been in the scene for a good long time. When will progressives realize that hopefully, eventually, people get tired of their terrible policies? You had policies that let anybody into the country, just let them in and let them in and let them in without a conversation of them wanting to be a part of the country and willing to adapt to how the country worked. You let people in from other countries who engage their religion as their rule of law, and you never demanded of them to be part of the society that you have. And so why would they? Now, that is not true of everybody, but that is true of a tremendous amount. As they discuss, so for example, if we're talking about Islam, 7% of, of Islam is radicalized. That's the number, 7%. So you're talking about millions and millions and millions of people. And when you take a look at what's happening in nations across the globe, specifically in Europe, you're seeing it happen. And people in those nations are saying, oh, this isn't working out. It is not a question of hateful. That's where the great lie is. It's a question of them being hateful because they never once respected where they were. They never once respected the country they're in. And so the people go about saying, hey, uh, maybe we should do something like this.
maybe about this. Maybe we should make a stand and say we can't we can't have this. It's a destruction of the society writ large. And people say, well, it's just so bigoted. These people aren't bigots all across the globe. They are making a statement, a, a, a declaration that said we opened up our arms, we got spit in the face, we're done. And people are surprised that that's happening. But you have world leaders like in Ireland who won't admit that Hamas is a terrorist organization that kidnapped children. The people engaged in response. That's the thing I'm looking at. In the UK, they uh, had a protest uh, to support Israel and against anti-Semitism. was thrilled to see it because we've seen so much of this support of Hamas in the UK and across Europe and certainly across the United States. The ceasefire is getting extended. This, of course, is the latest. Ceasefires don't work and ceasefires are bad news for Israel. The ceasefire is extending in exchange for more hostages. Well, I get Israel's point. I get that they want to get their people out. They want to save as many lives as possible because the Israelis are outrageously decent people. And it can't be denied. And they're trying to do what they can. But this doesn't work out well. For Israel. And you consider that the attack is not only from Hamas, but also from the Houthi rebels in Yemen going after ships, these people fully funded by Iran. Major Mike Lyons, retired United States Army, is with me next to break that down. This is Tony Katz today. <laughs> So a lot of people have seen that Elon Musk of Tesla and X and SpaceX and whatever else the man is is doing was in Israel and was getting a tour from the prime minister, Benjamin Netanyahu, because when you're worth $300 billion, you get private tours from Benjamin Netanyahu, Tony Katz. Tony Katz today, it's good to be with you. I mean, I'm glad that that he's there, and I'm glad that he agrees that Hamas is a terrorist organization. They're being referred to very openly as Nazis, new Nazis, uh, things uh, like this, and you need to counter the madness that you see in American universities when they are very supportive of Hamas. They're not supportive of free Palestine. They're supportive of the destruction of Israel. It's a very different conversation. And you are starting to see, like you saw in the UK, uh, a level of support for uh, Israel and support certainly for the destruction of a terrorist organization. But you also see how, for example, in Yemen, the Houthi rebels, H-O-U-T-H-I, how they're engaged in more and more missile fire, uh, shooting missiles towards U.S. warships, warships that are responding to attacks on commercial tankers from the Houthi rebels. This is Yemen we're talking about, which is basically a proxy war between Saudi Arabia and Iran. Major Mike Lyons joins us right now, retired United States Army, West Point guy, military analyst, all up and down your cable news dial and our guy here. Uh, Let's 
start with who these Houthi rebels are. It's a conversation we've been having because uh, Indiana Senator Todd Young has been very aggressive on on this subject and an understanding of exactly how dangerous the situation is. We've had this conversation before. Talk to me about the Houthi rebels. Talk to me about the proxy war. Okay, so Houthi rebels, 100% supported by Iranian Republican Guards and, and Quds Force is there. They, they have got all their capability coming from Iran. They, they um, you know, but for the Iranian government, they, they really don't exist. And so this is a proxy war where, you know, the, the militia are, are uh, all the strings are being pulled by the Iranians. And so if we're going to deter Iran, which is completely undeterred so far, given all the other attacks that are taking place on land, it's going to take them, Tehran, at somewhere feeling more pain. Um, the, the, the Houthis have got this capability now to, to be pirates uh, in, in the Gulf of Aden and then with inside the Red Sea. Um, they have capability there to go after. They, they originally tried to go after what they thought was an Israeli um, carrier or Israeli uh, commercial ship the other day, but as it turns out, it wasn't. Um, now the Navy gets involved and prevents the piracy from happening. And now they're firing at U.S. warships. Again, they're undeterred. So what, what's, what's our response? And our response has always been just kind of in kind and not do anything in order to really try to deter the Iranians. And I think until we come up with a better solution to there, I think these attacks are going to continue. So a couple things within that. It wasn't an Israeli tanker. It's a tanker that I think was flagged out of out of the UK, but is owned mm-hmm. by an Israeli. So not specifically mm-hmm. an Israeli tanker, but the company is owned by an Israeli. And when you talk about the Gulf of Aden, uh, always important mm-hmm. to look at a map. You're talking about right there under Yemen. So you're talking about the, uh, the bottom of the boot there where Saudi Arabia is. You've got Yemen uh, to the west and Oman to the east if you keep going around that's where you get to the Straits of Hormuz which is another dangerous spot uh, in terms of the, the possibility of of these kinds of uh, uh, pirate raids but these these Houthi rebels they didn't come upon a tanker on a speedboat this isn't Captain Phillips they were on a freaking right. helicopter moving yeah. with military precision this this isn't this isn't people living in caves man now, now Russian-made helicopter, likely Iranian force tra- uh, trained, uh, GoPros on them, made it look like, you know, a Call of Duty scene, uh, m- you know, a, a platoon-sized organization to take over, what, six or ten civilians that run that ship. Um, it's all designed for, to project, project power from their side as a as a use of propaganda. You know, you, you, you watch videos that they put out there. Um, you know, that they are becoming Hamas. They are becoming Hezbollah. What, what the level of support they get from Iran, both in material and training and, and equipment and, and everything up and down the line, uh, while ignoring the civilians within the country as the, they try to run the country, uh, is just astonishing. And, and where's the United Nations on this? The, you know, the World Food Program, for example, uh, you know, that where, where's everybody else in the outrage here that's allowing these countries to do these kinds of things? And again, it's all over the Iranian fingerprints on them. Talking to Major Mike Lyons, retired United States Army. Uh, the, the getting back to these rebels, getting back mm-hmm. to how it is they're acting and supported by Iran. And we have seen them engage uh, in, in, in rocket fire. And these rockets have been taken down by Iron Dome. Some of them have been shot down by American forces. I believe some have been shot down uh, by, by Saudi forces. In any 
rational positioning. This is Iran trying to engage in acts of war against Israel, against the United States, against Saudi Arabia. You just mentioned that other nations are staying totally silent. The question is, why is the United States staying, staying totally silent on this subject? I'm not sure. You saw how, uh, you, you know, it, it's just our administration's inability to deal with the reality of what Iran is doing in their desperation to try to believe that Iran is going to change their behavior uh, up and down the line with their attitude towards getting a nuclear weapon, with their supporting and funding terrorists throughout the world. Um, th this is a proxy war that Iran is fighting against Israel, first and foremost. And uh, and then right now we, we are just not, again, having figured out a way to deter them from from continuing to do this. What 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 is that going to take? So, for example, Thailand, Thailand to get its hostages released goes to the Iranians and the Iranians get with Qatar and the Qatar negotiates with Hamas and they were able to do that. I, I guarantee if they're, they're still Americans talking about this this morning, they're still Americans with American passports that the Hamas has. I don't understand why this administration is not calling for their immediate release. But, but it's likely because there's a number assigned to it, like what happened before with the $6 billion to release the six uh, or the five hostages that, that were held that we had that prisoner trade off for. So if Iran's involved, there's money involved, there's trade involved, and this administration runs scared of them is really what, what's going on. So now let's take a look at, at where we are with these hostages. The deal was for a, a ceasefire that uh, Hamas would release uh, approximately 50 hostages, people they kidnapped, although uh, they seem to have released more than that. Uh, at least when you talk about day one, it was 13 hostages and then 12, uh, I think it was Filipino hostages uh, as well, or was it Thailand or was it a mix uh, of, 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 of a group of, of different hostages outside of Israelis and Americans? We know one American has been released, and for this, 150 um quote-unquote Palestinians would be released. These are people who have been involved in terrorist attacks, involved in stabbings. One of the women uh, they released when she got back to Gaza immediately screamed for Hamas to spill more Israeli blood. You, you understand that what we're dealing with, and people need to understand that what we're dealing with is people who want the destruction of Israel at all costs without question. Uh, in, in the military view, uh, this ceasefire, this exchange uh, for, for the hostages... Is this the only move, or could there have been a different move? It's a terrible move from the military's perspective. Um, anytime you pause like this, causing the IDF now to go in defensive positions to protect themselves, Hamas likely sending soldiers south, uh, repositioning, looking for areas where they can attack uh, IDF forces once they start over. So from a straight military perspective, it's not good. However, you recognize the pressure the Israeli government is under as Hamas is trickling out these hostages, trading off time for hostages every day that goes by, um, it's going to be more difficult for the IDF to restart this offensive operation. I, I think it likely starts back in the air with artillery. I don't think you'll see ground troops moving just yet because it's very difficult from a soldier's perspective, having done this before, to just flip this switch to go from being a, a war fighter and all of a sudden pausing and then to kind of crank the war machine back up again. So I, I, I do think that um, you know the, the, the objective of getting the hostages back and regime change with Hamas is conflicting. And at some point, one's gotta be the priority over the other, but right now the priority is getting the hostages back. And that's now the military mission of regime change has taken a back seat, unfortunately.
The conversation about being opposed to ceasefire is that it gives Hamas the chance to, to rearm. It gives Hamas a chance to, to collect themselves and engage more attacks. You have this uh, prisoner exchange signed off on by the IDF, signed off by Mossad, signed off by Shin Bet, so all of their intelligence communities. It leads one to believe, or at least leads me to believe, that Israel now feels they know where things are, they know where people are, they know where the positioning is, they know what the next possible 10 moves are, and therefore this was the best bet because I haven't seen anything in them that says we're going to listen to other nations and not move forward in getting rid of Hamas. This is a nation that is now totally in lockstep uh, to, to get this done. How much of this, if you were going to say, well, it could be the idea that they know what Hamas's next move is going to be, or it could be they're, they're, they're folding under the pressure, how do you rank that percentage-wise? No, they've got no choice. They've got to work to try to get hostages back, but, but knowing full well that it's going to prolong the war. As, as Hamas soldiers, again, likely are heading down the Strip in an area where the fighting is going to be increased, you know, for every hostage family that's outraged that they're there. There's an IDF family member that's got somebody inside of an Israeli a tank or a uh, infantry fighting vehicle that uh, their life is at risk because of this pause that goes on. So I, I, I understand how the Israeli government has to do this. And Israel historically has done this. They've traded in, they've been in imbalance. The trades have not been fair. You saw the, they're releasing prisoners from Palestine, from the Palestinian group and we're getting back hostages, people that were you know, stolen, taken from their kibbutzes back, uh, back on October 7th. But, um, but I, you know, again, the military, they have to thread this needle there and they have to go by what the politicians say. But at some point, Hamas is going to run out of hostages they can give back. And that's when the war starts back up again. Israel's not going to put up with Hamas on its border uh, as the, as the, the governing force uh, inside the Gaza Strip. Israel has said, we will keep the ceasefire going if you release 10 hostages. 10 hostages a day, we'll keep the ceasefire going for another day. You're saying that no matter what, when that ends, that's when the war will will continue. Absolutely. I I think, um, and if there will be a potential hiccup that goes in before that, if there isn't 10, you know, it was Israel's idea to do that. So they have to, you know, stand by it now at this point. And Hamas will do what we, they can. We're going to find out more, too, about the hostages as time goes on. Because, um, you know, you look at, the, if you get down to the details of some of these, you know, there's still a 10-month-old baby that hasn't been released. Um, there's going to be some tragedy still that's going to come from the hostages as this information comes out. And it just gets back to the longer that Hamas can, can, then can delay the offense from restarting again, the IDF and the military starting again, the more they think they're going to get pressure from the rest of the world. Now, what the Houthi, go back to the Houthis. The Houthis are not helping the situation because if others are going to attack Israel at the same time, then Israel is going to continue to, to say, look, no matter what, we've got our enemies all surrounded. We've got to still continue the fight. I, I wanted to get uh, with you before I, I let you go. We have been not talking as much about what is happening um, in 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 Ukraine, uh, and certainly that does not make Vladimir Zelensky happy. Uh, if you're not paying attention to me, uh, that means uh, I've got a harder time getting Russia out out of my hair. Russia doesn't seem to have moved that much. I hear reports that the Russian forces are failing, and the Ukrainians are are making ground to get uh, ground back, and then you get stretches of uh, nothing. Um, where are we in this fight? 
we're at a stalemate now and the winter is here uh, in, in uh, that part of the world. It's going to be more, much more difficult. The ground will be harder. So in fact, some of the, the, the tanks and the track vehicles might be able to move um, a, a little bit better. But uh, the bottom line is Ukraine doesn't have the offensive capability to gain back the land that Russia took back in 2014. And that's what they're going to do. We've not given them that those weapon systems to do that. They have enough to defend themselves at this point in time, but not to take that back. We would have now given, we were almost working on two years here. They would have had to have had that equipment almost two years ago, ATACMs. They would have had the F-16s, the, the modern day F-16s. They, they needed um, much more air defense capability. They, there was, there's so many more things that they would have had to have in order to have any expectations for that offensive uh, operation to counteroffensive to take to take hold, and it just hasn't happened. And and, and no surprise to myself, uh, because of the fact that at the end of the day, Russia still is 10x. They're 10 times the size. They have 10 times capacity, and they can continue to hold off. And that and that's what's ha- I think what's happening right now is Russia's trying to stay. The rest of the world's eventually going to forget about this, and we'll be able to slowly creep our way inside of Ukraine uh, if we just you know still keep at it. That is Major Mike Lyons, retired United States Army, M-A-J, Mike Lyons, L-Y-O-N-S, M-A-J, Major Mike Lyons, on the X Twitter box. Find him there. Appreciate you, sir. More is coming up. I'm Tony Katz, and this is Tony Katz Today. So Angel Studio, which gave you sound of freedom, which blew people uh, away the story regarding uh, the border and regarding trafficking. Well, Angel Studios has now uh, brought you uh, yet another film, uh, this one called The Shift. And The Shift is now starting to get people's uh, attention. But what really matters here is that when you focus on creating content that people will watch and you don't focus on the nonsense, you can create opportunity. You can create opportunity. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. I've said this before about Lee Greenwood and people get upset with me. Sorry, uh, Proud to be an American is not a good song. It's not. I can appreciate it for what it is, but everybody's playing it all the time. It's it's like this somehow this uh, anthem for the political right. It's it's not. It's hokey as hell. You need to create songs. You need to be able to create uh, movies. You need to be able to create art that actually grabs people and grabs new people. Doesn't take people who are already there and reinforces them within them the thing that brought them there to begin with. You want to attract new people. You want to utilize art to do that. Angel Studios, as a way of making movies, is kind of doing that. Because they went about creating scripts, it certainly seems to me, stories that people want to be a part of. Now that the story has a, a, a meaning, a bent, etc., that's fine. But the characters, the, the entirety of the thing, that's what matters. That's what matters. Not just saying we're going to wave the flag and then everybody's going to love it. That isn't the way it, that's not the way it works. It's just, that's just not it. Just saying. We'll see how this new movie, The Shift, does in theaters. I think it opens up uh, later this week. I'm Tony Katz. This is Tony Katz Today. Today.